Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Lee. I'm Jude. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> You're weird. I didn't know what order we were going. I thought you said James. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and then I, the, I squashed my own joke. Just like Jude would. <laughs> there's your well, now we're going with it. <laughs> this is the intro. Oh, bless you, Leech. You know what's so like? I spent like a good twenty minutes just kind of like practicing, running through how we were going to do this, and there was no way I could have predicted that. And I'm so happy for it. <laughs> did so, you say did, that it would be Trey Leech JB, and I just jumped the line? Is that what happened? I think you did. Oh my god, it's fine. Sorry. It's fine. But uh, but yeah, Leech saved it. <laughs> But yeah, so that's right. Not one, but two guest co-hosts to cover this spooktacular episode of MCU Need to Know. Uh, JB, I'm going to throw to you first. How's it going? It's been a while since you've been here. It's going great, man. It's always such a joy to be here. I was, uh, I had some, uh, like a doctor's visit this this morning and like a, a fairly long day with a lot of stuff going on. And I was pretty tired 30 seconds before I popped onto the stream. And now I'm just ready to go. And that's been my experience every time. Oh, I love it. And of course, Leech, consecutive weeks of guest co-hosting. How are you? How's it going? I appreciate your, you know, sticking to this joke for this long. Um, it's okay <laughs> if you want to have a gap for me being on. like. <laughs> but you're really just sticking to it really hardcore. You're never letting me go, are you? That's the thing now. You're going to have to come on every episode until Secret Invasion and then not show up for Secret Invasion. That honestly sounds perfect. Let's do it. Oh, man. All right. Well, Jude, we've got uh, we got our schedule set whenever you're hearing this. <laughs> well, of course, if you downloaded this episode, you know we're going to be talking about Werewolf by Night. But before we jump into that, we had two major Marvel Studios trailers drop this week. Uh, one being Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and the other being the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Uh, so, JB, we'll go ahead and start with you and Ant-Man. What did you think of that trailer? I'm excited, man. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I, I think like a lot of people, I've really been waiting for these, um, for Kang and for um, the big, the big uh ground-shaking MCU events, things that are going to affect the whole world. And 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 uh, I have loved both of the Ant-Man movies to date, but they they were a little bit of, you know, sort of a side dish, you know, to the MCU. This feels like a, a main dish. It feels like a big, juicy chunk of, you know, world-affecting MCU lore stuff, and I am psyched for it. Mm-hmm. I... I heard our friend TK from There Was an Idea guest on another podcast where they reacted. (laughs) They reacted to the news of just what was going to go on. And they said like they weren't trying to discredit the first two Ant-Man movies. But with this one, it felt like it mattered. And as soon as I saw that trailer, that was the first thing that ran through my mind. But what about you, Leech? What uh, what stood out to you about the uh, Ant-Man trailer? I remember thinking to myself like, Oh, I hope y'all studied. Like, <laughs> I feel like there are going to be so many references from everything that's come out this year. And it's it's just like, you're going to be rewarded for paying attention. I mean, there's theories already going on online of just snippets of scenes we see. And I'm really, really pumped for it because I think it's going to start threading things together really nicely. Mm-hmm. I, I think for me... I'm just so excited to meet Kang again. 
Like knowing we got a version of him in, in Loki and now seeing that we're getting this reintroduction of him who seems a lot more intimidating. Like that was the thing that gave me the goosebumps the most. Um, meeting Kang again for the first time. Meeting again for the well, first we, time. We met like old grandpa, I'm tired, Kang. Like, <laughs> he's just like, hey man, like there's a reason I did this. Do you want a cookie? Like this is, that was Mm. That was the can't hang Kang. Yeah. Can't. This is the dang Kang. Yeah, it's funny. I, never, I did not think of him that way, and now I will going forward. He's just going to be old, tired grandpa. Yeah. He who remains. <sighs> <laughs> just get, give me an apple. Can I have another apple, please? Oh, man. <laughs> well, switching. Yes, Jonathan Major is like, oh. uh, you know. Sorry, just to just to build on that point, just real quickly, because I I will I could talk all day about how impressive an actor uh, Jonathan Majors is, um, but we got to see a really we did get to see like a light, tired grandpa version of him. But that dude is he delivers gravitas, just like he sweats gravitas that mm-hmm. guy, and so it's going to be cool to see him playing the serious cards. Like I'm really getting those you know Thanos vibes from him, where he's like a fully developed fully rounded character who is doing the wrong things. He's a villain that you're going to, you know, love to hate or, or whatever, you know, love to root for. I forget very high expectations. And if anybody can deliver, it's that dude. hundred percent. So switching gears to the other trailer, uh, I'll start with you this time. Leech, the guardians of the galaxy holiday special. We got a treat. I didn't know we were in store for this. We got to listen to your live reaction, Uh, but maybe you can fill in the people listening. Yeah, it's pretty much me going, oh, every five seconds, because Groot's all grown up. Groot's so big. He's so big. I'm just so happy. I mean, we're we're off stealing celebrities. Like, this is chaotic. <laughs> this is nothing that I expected. And that I'm at the point with all the content that's come out, I just need to accept that. Like, I can't predict everything, and I <laughs> certainly cannot predict what's going to happen there. So I I'm really pumped. So before we started recording, I had to break up a conversation because <laughs> I felt like we were jumping into the episode before we started recording. Uh, JB, what did you think of the holiday special? Oh, man, just everything that you said. And, and uh, the, the one thought that I kept having over, over and over again, aside from, holy crap, I love you, James Gunn, uh, <laughs> was, uh, oh, Mantis. Like, cause I really like Mantis and I, 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 she's been just a bit underplayed, I think. And, uh, she gets a lot of great stuff in the game. If you played the recent guardians of the galaxy game, um, she has, a, she's a, re- she's really well represented in that game. She has a lot of great stuff to do. So I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm, this is like Mantis co-lead. I'm excited about that. I'm kind of with you leech of not knowing what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. <laughs> and it, it took me watching it two times before I was like, okay, I get it now. Like this is, this is good. And that swings back to what you were saying, JB. There, there's something that feels perfect about it being a special and probably going to be on the 40 minutes to 50 minute side of it focusing seemingly on Drax and Mantis. I think pairing it down to this two, having this kind of adventure on Earth trying to help uh, Star-Lord cheer up for the holidays is so perfect. They're such great foils. They, they, I think, honestly, when I think of Guardians 2, the first scene I think about is the scene of them talking to each other where he's consoling her and calling her ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and she's so innocent. She just, t- it's just like, it's such a unique 
pairing. You don't see those two kinds of characters all that often in, in fiction, of any kind of fiction. And so I would, yeah, give me more of that duo. I will watch a whole series. Give me a buddy cop uh, series. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Trax and Mantis. I'd watch it. Right? I think one of the uh, pressing questions after watching that trailer, has Group been hitting the weights? He looks <laughs> buff in that trailer. He's broad. <laughs> but his head's still the same size, which is throwing me off. <laughs> big old thick boy. <laughs> I love Groot. I, I give me yeah, give me every version of Groot. Give me tired old man Groot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the theme of these first two trailers of just leaving the tired old versions of ourselves behind. <laughs> <laughs> My mom uh, is a is a massive. She's sort of a part time MCU fan, but a massive Guardians fan. And I actually I got her a Groot action figure for her birthday this year Aww. of of, uh, of Teen Groot because she has she actually has a planter in the garden that I got her for Christmas a couple of years ago. It's like a little Groot planter. You put plants in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when the uh, the Teen Groot action figure just came out recently for the Love and Thunder uh, Marvel Legend, I, I sent her one of those. Uh, and I just want to have a hope my mom's going to have like all of her, you know, Southern living, you know, <laughs> cross stitch things. <laughs> and then a little Marvel Legends shelf of just like Groot and Thor and people like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I sent her a, a Cobb Vanth figure. I don't know if you guys are Star Wars fans, but uh, she's a Trey, massive fan. is a big fan. Yeah, Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, she's a b- massive Timothy Oliphant fan. I like and, him. Uh, since this is the first time uh, I believe Timothy Oliphant has ever had an action figure, I basically had to get that for him, mm. too. <laughs> Not to go too far on the tangent, but I have to get this out there. You need to get your mom uh, Eat, Pray, Groot kind <gasps> of like oh, stitch. <laughs> that's brilliant. I think that would be perfect. Christmas oh, wow, ideas. Yeah. Yes. I just need to, need to find someone who can whose hands work that well who can cross stitch like that <laughs> oh man well all right so with those two trailers out of the way we can go ahead and get into the bulk of the episode uh which is werewolf by night so we're gonna go ahead and jump into the spoiler zone so we can go ahead and get into all the details of this show so you're gonna hear an audio cue and on the other side it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the mcu we'll see you on the other side And we're back. So we are going to handle this like we handle kind of like the quick reacts to the movies. Uh, Not most important topics, but just going through things we liked about it overall, dislikes and so on and so forth. So, Leach, we'll go ahead and start with you. What did you like most about Werewolf by Night? Oh, my gosh. I don't know about anyone else, but the intro hyped me so hard. I actually paused it and like closed all the blinds in my living room and just tried <laughs> to get the mood better. Cause I'm just like, Oh, let's do this. Like wrap up in a blanket. Like, let's go. Yeah. That's the mood. Yeah. Um, so just that theme of like, we are fully committing from the moment this starts to the moment this ends of this, just like, I don't even know what would be the term, like the oldies. It's just like that retro. Feel, Classic black monster. And white. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was fantastic. It gave me like, and I'm just dating myself here. It gave me big TV land vibes because I grew up on a lot of TV land 
And, well, not only uh, <laughs> you just was, dated me like twice. I know, as much. I know. I'm like not giving you eye contact right now. <laughs> I remember the shows that are that were rerunning on TV Land, <laughs> seeing them originally. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not like Universal monster movies. I'm not that old. <laughs> but, like, well, that's funny. Listen, I can unite us in age. You know, it's getting up there in age when stuff like Nick and Knight starts playing shows in color. Yeah, and that oh, was something right. I had to wrestle with not too long. I mean, ago. Friends is on. Nick at night, right? Oh, which is crazy. That's oh man! Wild. Well, before so going, you used to all be like Andy Griffith and stuff. On it. That's, <laughs> that's what I remember when I think of when I think of Nick at night. But no, leads to your point. Uh, I know what you mean because it had kind of like that operatic like choir that was singing alongside the normal Marvel Studios mm-hmm. fanfare. And the thing that got me, and I'm just going to open up and say this: I legitimately got scared when it did like the like the high pitched scream and the scratches that got me so they right <laughs> off the bat they set the tone i was like oh okay and did you like apparently that is timed with like so that normally there's a point in that fanfare where the trumpets rise up and that was timed to be exactly at that moment where the slash comes and it switches to a minor key and everything turns black and white i didn't notice that but i'm, I'm glad you illustrated that that was i i, I did watch um because i only had time to rewatch it once because i had a busy couple of days but i did watch um michael um Eric Voss, oh. uh, what's new rock stars? I watched their b- breakdown of it, and he did mention that, and I thought, oh, that's very, very cool, because I knew Michael Giacchino was a composer, and I knew he had worked Marvel, but I wasn't super familiar with. I didn't know that he had written the fanfare for one thing, and I didn't know that he had done, I guess, most of the recent movie either. Um, so the, the scores, I, the scores, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because as far as I know, this is his de- directorial debut. Yeah, I think so. Which is phenomenal yeah i love that i love to see people switching jobs and genres and things within the entertainment industry because for a long time everything was really segmented and broken off and and i have a a friend who uh wrote for cartoons and then went to writing for law and order and he told me like that had never been done before for him it's extremely rare to switch from like one thing to the other so to go from composing to directing uh, you know especially within this really sort of established context, you know, in, inside the MCU. I mean, he, he knocked it. That alone is impressive. And that sort of career change aspect. And the fact that he just did it so well, mm-hmm. you know? I had a buddy that texted me after watching it, that just texted just to give Michael Giacchino blade. Yeah. Just That'd be a smart him. pairing. So the, the intro sets the tone, Leech. What did you think of the overall choice to make it black and white for almost the entirety of it? I mean, I always get this like little sense of frustration of like, but I want to see it. This looks really cool. What does this look like in color? And I just told myself like patience, like there's almost always a reveal. So <laughs> um, I, I really did enjoy it though. Like it, it kind of got rid of all the distractions that were everything else. Like I wasn't trying to seek out information in the background as much. And so I was able to actually focus on our, our actual dialogue and story and, you know, not get distracted, which I appreciated because it, it needed your full attention. There was a lot going on. It was very fast. It's cool about black and white, isn't it? It really does like it's color, not always in a bad way, but color distracts from shape. When you take color out of something, I, I discovered this when I fell in love with black and white photography when I was in college. And Trey knows about this because Trey is, I don't know if people know, is Trey is an excellent photographer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so when I just, I, I, that was like a revelation to me. I was like, oh, you can really, I think I'm paying attention to shapes in a way that I don't when something is, co- is color. 
And this, this show is like a perfect example of that. Yeah. And you're right. I didn't think about it until you said it leaks, but there's a lot going on and it helps you follow for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking to that, like the emphasis that it's able to place, like it cast harsher shadows, like whenever they mm-hmm. do a close up on the face, like Jack, when he's kind of like looking to the side and you see him really kind of getting a lay of the room, figuring out whether or not you can trust him, whether he trusts everybody else and so on and so forth. So that just really dramatiza- dramatizes the the look of the actors. But it also leaves wonderful moments of like whenever man thing incinerates somebody for the first time because we're so used to it being black and white when that happens and it just fills the whole screen with light it hits that much harder and then of course like with the obvious stuff like the bloodstone being this fluorescent red just casting off to the sides of the screen like it that style works so well for this I think it's technicolor red I think it's like supposed to be you know the original technicolor palette i think really i i know especially at the end when everything when she when elsa turns red and the color comes into her that is very sort of lurid and sort of like 1950s 1960s uh the first color televisions and the first color movies um it's got that like almost like a spaghetti western kind of a color color scheme to it uh and and it reminded me of the wizard of oz which apparently it was supposed to Mm mm-hmm Am I crazy or was it playing somewhere over the rainbow too? It was. Yeah. That's the yeah. song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, back when you were saying Leech, like anytime it's black and white, there's almost always going to be a reveal. Like we have to have the somewhere over the rainbow. Moment. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that that carries over into the camp with Jack and Ted is mm-hmm. awesome as well. But I get, but the, I, so the song for sure, but also the moment in the wizard of Oz where she leaves Oz and goes back to Kansas at the end and the reverse happens. The color bleeds out and goes back to the black and white kansas they did the reverse Mm -hmm. and even that moment is like visually reminiscent of the wizard of oz yeah well jb i mentioned this to you when i texted you i'm so glad that this worked out that we were able to get you on for werewolf by night because the first time i ever heard the phrase werewolf by night was your very first uh guest episode on this podcast so i'm gonna switch so proud (laughs) i'm gonna switch to you what did you like most overall about werewolf by night my God. <laughs> Deep breath time. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have the same reaction that Leach did. It's like, that's a big question. Cause I, <laughs> I, uh, I think it's pretty, I think I've talked about this before. We talked about it in, in the villains podcast. I know that I, um, when I, when I like something like this and it wins me over in the early hours, the early minutes, um, I really sort of let my critical guard down, you know, mm-hmm. I think the, the first podcast we had, I said, look, I'm very lightly critical of the MCU. You know, I'm not going to attack it like I would a, uh, you know, a Nicholas winning Refn movie or something, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, not going to dissect it like a Oscar contender kind of thing. I, because I grew up with so many bad Marvel adaptations and bad superhero movies and they were suits, the good ones were so few and far between, even the quote unquote bad Marvel movies, MCU movies are so much better than what we used to get, you know, even in the nineties. So I, I really kind of relaxed my critical mind um, and really did just kind of enjoy the ride. The stuff that I noticed were, was a lot of, it's funny. Cause like, I don't, I don't notice plot a lot of the time. I really kind of, the first time I watched something, it, I, I, there was a lot of things that like just plot movements in werewolf by night that i didn't realize until i watched a couple of reaction videos to them and people were like mentioning things and i was like, oh okay that's right um 
but the things that stuck out to me were just the look primarily. I was like mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing. And the fact that it was not just black and white, but specifically made to look like the universal horror monster movies and the, uh, the hammer horror films out of the UK, all that fog, all that, like you, like you, tri- like you said, Trey, the, even like the shadows, everything is, is enhanced. Everything is deeper. And, and, um, you know, even those, like those, sh- the shadows help tell the story too. You're talking about how they, you know, sh- they frame the characters faces. It's, it's even the way the shadows work against the bodies is telling the emotional aspect of the story. So really that was what I think jumped out at me the most. And then when the action got going, I was like, really happy and really kind of surprised at the violence in a, in a positive way, <laughs> which sounds weird. Yeah, but. That, that black and white choice gave them a bigger blank check for how much visceral they could be. I mean, cause we were getting like blood spatters and like, dude got his neck, like just sliced on a blade. When the bolt goes through the samurai guy's neck, I think it's, uh, I had his name right there. <laughs> but when the bolt goes through his neck, I was like, whoa okay and then they stick with that and she's got her you know they're laying in the coffin hiding and she's got her hand over his mouth and she's holding the bolt in his neck which is crazy and then the uh i really liked the uh the uh the uh, david bowie character so the the crossbow is leorn and the uh david bowie azarel Azrael, yeah. Yeah. So Azrael's death is also gruesome and was surprising. That yeah. the sword where she's you basically almost get like a half a beheading. I mean it was it just it surprised me, it really did. But it never felt uh it never felt like he was just, you know, oh look, I get to, you know, show gruesome violence. Like it didn't feel like that. Everything felt like it fit that the tone of like the visuals and the shadows and everything just meshed together perfectly well. And it was this combination of, I think that was the thing I watched. I thought most watching it the second time today was the combination of the old style and new style as well. You know, cause like they didn't really do handheld back in the day because the cameras were freaking massive and there was a lot of handheld in, in world by night. So it almost looked like, you know, a guy from the future <laughs> ran back to the, you know, the hammer sets of the 1950s and sixties was running around with a handheld camera, you know, shooting all kinds of great angles and making you feel like you're a part of the action with a little, you know, jiggly cam and stuff. It was really just like masterful mix of old and new. Just to respond to that real quick. I, I think this special does a pretty good job of like making it timeless. It can be in the 30s and 40s, or it could be closer to modern day MCU because of the way the intro has like the Avengers by name. So I think you're spot on with that kind of like mix of of both futuristic and the past. Um, But Leech, I wanted to come back to you on the topic of the violence and the gore. How did how did you receive that? And were there any of those moments that stood out to you? So. I was expecting something to set the violence tone because it's like, this is a life or death situation. Like, you know, if you survive this, it's only by the grace or you, you were you know, hiding this whole time. And uh, so I was just like, Oh, this is kind of like, you know, uh, squid game vibes. And <laughs> I was kind of waiting for that first fight to see and exactly how we were going to do this. And I'm like, Oh, we're just going for the neck. We're swinging for the arm. Like, okay, we're setting the tone, but that makes, makes sense. Like there are big stakes here. Like it, it fit 
perfectly because yeah, it was all these apparent murderers with massive numbers. Well, not murderers, hunters with massive numbers. Yeah, that makes the difference. And so it it was completely fitting. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been weird if if it was like, yeah, this sixty seven kills, forty seven kills, over a hundred kills. There's no blood. <laughs> yeah, know? it would have been weird. Everyone just knocked each other out. Yeah, no, they're fighting <laughs> over this this treasure. Like everybody just strangles each other. That's yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just limply fall. Yeah, no, yeah. we we murdered people. We straight up made sure they did not get back up. So I I, I honestly I enjoyed it. Like mm-hmm. it was it was nice to kind of have that follow through a little bit more compared to what we're used to seeing. Um, I realize that's also very dark, but that's where we're at. Right company. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a Halloween special. It can, it can throw that flair. Yeah. It's it's not the holiday special. It's, it's the Halloween special. So Mm -hmm. it's okay. And this is the horror MCU. You know, this is like when, when, when Trey and I first talked about Moon Knight, when the, the announcement was made, you know, like, and I said at some point when, when after the show came out, I said, you know, this wasn't what I expected, but I liked what I got. Werewolf by Night was what I expected from Moon Knight, or at least way closer to, to what I was thinking. Like, this is the very true to the horror Marvel, the horror aspect of the Marvel comics. You know, they are generally gorier because, you know, you're dealing with <laughs> monsters. Yeah. Know, people that hunt monsters. So I, I don't think it, any of the violence was gratuitous and I don't think any of it was too much. I think it was really, it's just like the, the right pace. I think, you know, I'm so glad you brought up moon Knight because it's so funny to me that every time you finish werewolf by night, it's like, try moon Knight. Like it's the next <laughs> auto. <recommend>. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. You might like this too. <laughs> <laughs> Mine recommended New Mutants, because which is I guess new to Disney Plus, and that's that's not a bad follow up either. I I've been wanting to watch that. I that that was almost going to be our Halloween episode last year, but for some reason we didn't get to it. So uh, there's a there's the a lot wrong with it, I think, but um, there's a lot right with it too. I think I think it's it um, there's a lot of good stuff in that movie. Uh, so just to come in and throw my last bit, because we've been talking, both of y'all talked about the style of this werewolf by night special. I think the thing that stood out to me overall of what I liked about it was this implied history. And I think a lot of this goes together well because of the stylistic choices helps tell that story, but even down to the narrative choices they were making, I mean, setting a ritualistic hunter battle Royale is such a smart way to like really cement. This is something that happens a lot. And because it is our first time, it only further sees that idea that this is something that's happening concurrently with the MCU in its own little corner. And I thought that was such a beautiful setup. Uh, but even down to the way we see Jack enter that room that first time, like the camera staying with him as he goes in and then it starts going through the interior of the room and you see all these like monster cadavers on the walls. You see all the other hunters just kind of milling about doing their thing, kind of being standoffish before finally coming back to him. There is weight to history here that is only further emphasized the deeper we get into it and see these connections Uh, like with obviously Jack and Ted. uh, There's a very Groot and Rocket kind of relationship going on. And then uh, with is it Verusa and Elsa? There's so much tension there that even though we only get so many hours or not even an hour, so many minutes with this, you really feel those narrative threads. That's it's written so well, and I actually looked up uh, Heather Quinn, mm-hmm. who was the pr- primary writer listed on it, and she wrote uh, four episodes of Hawkeye. Yeah, oh, wow. Which, 
Yeah, it's cool. And I really like her writing. I, that There's that line, and there's a lot of great exposition delivered in dialogue that doesn't feel like exposition, and that's not an easy skill. I think it's really easy to do clunky, bad, overwrought uh, exposition. That moment where Verusa says something, she says, don't be so easy on yourself. You were his worst disappointment or his greatest disappointment. There's a lot of history in two little lines of dialogue there. Just really economically told, like absolutely Trey. That, that was the, the implied history was, was spot on. Hmm. Leach, I, I saw your eyes get pretty big whenever I mentioned uh, Verusa and Elsa. Do you have anything there? Yeah. I, you know, I'm just kind of like, getting reminded by you all talking and I had such big like Aunt Lydia vibes. I don't know if you all watch Handmaiden's Tale, but like Nurse Ratched, like that kind of just that's hard. I feel like that's hard to act out. It's it's not like, you know, you're just being a nasty person. You're not being mean. You're just you're being like historically bitter to this person and you hate them and you've hated them and you just they're completely beneath you. I feel like that's really hard to nail for, for women. And like, I just like saw all these three characters merge into one. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is a horror. Like, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm definitely feeling things from this. Like, yeah. So like you said, just everything we learned in that interaction was just, it was heavy. It was just like, there, there's history here and I want some popcorn and I hear all about it. <laughs> I regret to say I haven't seen Handmaid's Tale yet. It's on my list for sure. Um, it's, so, sometimes it's a little heavy and maybe too too relevant. Mm-hmm. Not escapism <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably why yeah. I avoided it. Yeah. Avoided it. But I, I do, I know I know the character you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's like there, it, there there's a cruelty there that could only be between family. Yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like Well, yeah, because JB, you mentioned the moment where she was like, you were his biggest disappointment. And that's such a like spot on jab towards Elsa. And then she does it again without even having to be venomous she's just doing it because she knows it'll get under her skin but when she was talking about the uh i forgot his name the original bloodstone uh ulysses bloodstone whenever she's gonna say vesuvius (laughs) i knew that couldn't be right (laughs) vesuvius bloodstone whenever she's talking about vesuvius bloodstone (laughs) uh, you know she's giving the it's horror Whenever she's giving the eulogy, she's talking about all these great feats of what a person he was. And then she goes, and a lover. And then it like cuts to Elsa. She's just like disgusted. Like, oh, that that relationship. There's there's so much history there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a like stepmother, like step stepmother, stepdaughter thing. Or Mm -hmm. or stepmother, stepchild thing. Like, please don't. I'll talk about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I think I thought that that was Olivia Coleman, that actress, and I was wrong. But she she does she favors Olivia Coleman, and I guess Olivia Coleman is going to be in Secret Invasion, so it would make oh. sense that she would be both roles. But I think I even said that on the Discord that that she's great, and that that actress is phenomenal too. Varusha, I really uh, I loved I loved to hate her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure that moment she has in the end where she's like you let him go and she screams she's almost like a child throwing a tantrum yeah like stomping her foot i really enjoyed that delivery a lot yeah it's it's good comeuppance because so much of her is just like like just chewing up the dialogue of like 
I wish I would have wrote down some examples, but like right before the they go into the hunt and you hear the monster roar in the background and she goes, I would assume it's been affixed to the monster. And then she just kind of like looks at the camera and smiles like just stuff like that. She's having so much fun in this. She's something like it's the rules of the game. <laughs> it's like really, it's really old school. Like every word just lands like a gavel, you know, like, yeah, she, she, I'm going to, I feel bad. Cause I, I don't know if I have her name written down, but she killed it. She was really, really good. Uh, Harriet Sandum Harris. Thank you. I think I've been she trying deserves... to do a new thing where I have like a quick reference guide at the bottom of her outline. I appreciate <laughs> it because I yeah I was a little slack on my notes this time. I only have one full page. <laughs> well, switch it. I was gonna, I don't even want to do it because I know how much you love this. I was going to tease that you hate this so much. So we'll go on to you and talk about some of the biggest disappointments of the show, <laughs> <laughs> if any. See that's a that's a difficult question as well because I like I didn't I honestly the the first thing that comes to mind is I could have watched another half hour easily you know and I think that the story could have supported another half hour mm-hmm. yeah I think this could have been a theatrical release a ninety minute movie and I think it would have made Disney a whole lot of money if they had done that and mm-hmm. I think that there are a bunch of executives probably kicking themselves right now that they didn't do that yeah. Leech, I think you so accurately put it last week when we talked about She-Hulk. It's time. It's always time. <laughs> it's always time. Like, but, I uh, don't it... need, like, a five-hour Iron Man movie, but when you're, like, introducing, like, brand new... I can say that. Jude's not here. When you're in- <laughs> introducing, like, all this new lore of, like, hey, these people have been around for eons, and they get 20 seconds. Like, I want, I want more of that. That's what I want. How cool would a flashback had had been, right? Oh, of, yeah. of of the elder Bloodstone fighting these monsters that they talked about. You know, I mean, seeing the MCU fifty years ago or whatever. Up the movie Pixar's Up has mm-hmm. ten minutes. I know because I fast forward through it because I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is ten, in ten yeah. minutes. They they tell a whole lifetime, and I feel like if that had like that just that little bit additional time, you could have had like chunks of each like the whole entire history of it or something like if this has been going on from generations like there could have been a whole story being told there and there would have been so much more weight behind how serious this was especially if there's like a 20 year gap between her being back home like mm. it could have ended the, and then 20 years later like i i would have watched that and eaten it up i, I mean i was ready i i was kind of disappointed when i saw the length because yep. I, you know, I peaked before hitting play, and I was like, "Oh, okay," and get into it. I'm like, "Damn it, <laughs> <It's done>. yeah. <laughs> no!" Yeah, I, and I would have liked to have even seen maybe a little bit of like where Elsa was in her life before she arrived at the mansion. Right, and I don't mean years and years, but just show her in her apartment for three minutes or something, mm-hmm. you know, just show me where she's at in the world before she arrives at this place. And maybe, same for Jack. Maybe have a montage. Everyone's getting dressed up, you know, painting face, you know, yeah, she's putting cool. her jacket on. Like just, it's fair. Like after she Hulk, I'm like, they know how to do it. Now can just, we all agree like how to, you know, show passage of time in like a super efficient manner. Like, cause that is proof. It is possible. Yeah. And they did a lot of that in Hawkeye too. So I think Heather Quinn is up to the task. Yeah. Sure. You know, I can go ahead and try and combine one of my disappointments with what uh, JB, you've illustrated with the wanting more. Uh, you set up like even giving a flashback. Uh, or I think you did, Leach, giving a flashback to some of where these people were. You know, my my disappointment was 
as coveted as this bloodstone was, I felt like we learned very little about it besides being like an activator for Jack or being like the red shooting rays. If they would have given us like a flashback of Ulysses Hearthstone, Hearthstone, Ulysses Bloodstone. (laughs) I've been playing a lot of Marvel Snap, so Hearthstone's on the mind. It's Horrorstone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you know you're you're on. You got to get that third one in somewhere before the night's over. (laughs) Uh, Just wait. (laughs) Even if they would have given us a flashback with Bloodstone using the Bloodstone, that could have been a lot more illustrative of the capabilities as well as giving more time to kind of give these characters a a more solid foundation. So, yeah. And you could have done that like in that, like we talked about, like a flashback sequence with the seas. You could have shown the Bloodstone in action. It would have been cool. Because it is, I guess it is a fair criticism. It's a little bit of a question why she wants it. I think we learned by the end, she probably just wants it to get it out of the hands of the rest of her family. Like it's just, that's the main reason. And that probably is the lore from the comics. I don't, I don't know a ton about Elsa from the comics, but I think that is her basic deal is that she's fighting her own family most of the time. So yeah, we, it would have been awesome to see history of the stone and to see it in action. I did get a little bit of that with the like very just surely shoving it in the back pocket, like stay, that's where you live now. Like, that wasn't a oh half out. I'm gonna pull you out here in a second. That was you're you're on the back pocket. You're for later, if at all. Yeah, I love how like at the end she kind of just like kicking her feet up, <laughs> directing the servant around. Like she's she's taken over this this uh, what would you even call it? This estate. Like she's in charge now. So it's it's good to know. Like she's kind of like always at at odds with her family and seemingly by the end of this in control. So Leech, I know we started with JV. Disappointment was length. Outside of length, were there any other disappointments you may have had? I really wanted the Bloodstone's abilities, powers, enhancements to be explained better because I really didn't like the whole like, oh, well, it can also, you know, make him, you know, change and like all that. Like we could just force it to happen. Like it's just that powerful. And I'm thinking like that was that in the my. Did I miss that? And when I was taking notes earlier, like what what's going on? And like, just not having that context made me a little sad. I mean, we all know like anything with a stone. Okay. It's just like, it's a red stone. I'm assuming it can do some all kinds of crazy stuff as we've seen other red stones do in the past. But um, I was like a little disappointed. Yeah, you're right. That line is a little bit where he, he says, like, he says, I don't, there's a, the next full moon isn't for five days. We have plenty mm-hmm. of time. And she's because the bloodstone can change you in five, five seconds. seconds. Yeah. And it is like a little, it lands a little bit clunky. Like really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I love, that's I what love it can the, do. The delivery too, because it's almost like you idiot. Like <laughs> we have plot contrivances God. to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think would say that's my, that's my, the one thing that stuck out. Like, okay, come on. Listen, WandaVision has already called it out with the red wiggly woos. They know this. <laughs> they can't just keep coming back to the wiggly woo well. <laughs> <laughs> you say that 10 times fast. I was lucky to get through it once. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is two weeks in a row where it seems like uh, not a lot of disappointment. I mean, it's always time. We talked about it. Um, given that it is a Marvel Studios special we knew going in by design, this was going to be shorter, not quite a movie, not quite a TV series because it's only one quote unquote episode. But uh, I guess again, to borrow your words, leech, it's a good sign when you wanted more. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping this is leading towards more in the future. And I had no expectations at all coming into this. And 
other than like spooky. So I really don't feel like I have, you know, a lot to form criticism off of other than what I was given in this one little snippet. So, I mean, overall, yeah, like I want to watch it again. (laughs) I have a question for you guys. Okay. Did you know that Gael Garcia Bernal was Jack when he walked in? Did you guys know he was playing Jack? Because I didn't. I, I didn't identify him as the werewolf by night until like halfway through the thing. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. I forgot there was a werewolf. Luigi <laughs> 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 was night. <laughs> I was very distracted. <laughs> Listen, you, there's plenty of, you're thinking about all that possible bloodstone history. Right. Like there's all get this distracted. stuff going on and like, we just like need to live and survive and like get people out. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what's, what could he possibly turn into? <laughs> in five seconds. Yeah. In five seconds. So I, I knew he was the werewolf. I didn't, to answer your question specifically, I didn't know he was Jack just because I didn't know the name. Um, but it is one of those things when you go back and rewatch it, knowing for sure that he is the werewolf, there's a lot of tells that are super cool. So yeah. like when he's walking in to the place and he's looking at the murals, he kind of like stops and looks at the one where it's a like jackal or werewolf being like killed. So that's like your first clue to like him kind of taking offense to that. Uh, Another one that I saw spotted on Reddit was whenever him and Elsa get stuck in that little crypt, he spins around before sitting down, almost kind of like a canine. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I didn't see that. That's amazing. It's such a weird spinning thing. Oh, wow. Oh, the other one, whenever the narrator is talking about the ritual before that door opens up on Jack. It says, woe to the monster that finds himself within. And so it's like, oh, here's another clue of like, oh, this is this is the werewolf. So even though I knew he was just because of the marketing and the promo and him being like the face of it, um, I was still able to have that quote unquote surprise experience on like multiple viewings. That my one of my I don't I'm, we have a question about favorite moments, but it's it's just it's coming it's up in line with what you were saying. <clears throat> my one of my favorite moments is when he scratches behind his ear. Oh yeah, he's like I, I, I really hate myself for not for missing the like sitting thing because I love that so much. Uh, but this was kind of the same deal where he he says something about you know I, I'm human, just not the category of human you might think. And then he does this very dog like scratch behind his ear. And it just kind of made me fall in love with him even more. Oh, and I already loved him because the way the way he played Jack was awesome. And it's not the I don't know a whole lot about the comic, but what I have read is he's just kind of a generic guy who turns into a werewolf. There's not a whole lot of depth there, but the way that Gael played it when he walk when he steps in, like you're talking about him looking at the the paintings or whatever. Um, it's not it's his whole demeanor is worried. He is not a cool guy, you know, that's killed a hundred people walking into a room full of killers. He's a nervous dude who doesn't look like he wants to be there. And that's a cool way to play it. He didn't go for machismo or, you know, a brooding guy with secrets. He went like John Wick. Like, I might get my A messed up here, you know? And it was, I just, I really, that, even the second time when, like you were saying, when I did know that he was Jack from the get-go, I was noticing all those things, and it just like he's such a good actor, and I really loved that that take on that character. Yeah, it uh, it reminds me. I'm glad you spotlighted how it, the performance was for uh, Bernal Bernal 
Bernal. Gael Garcia Bernal. Gael Garcia Bernal. GGB. Uh, That's how I have him in my notes. GGB. <laughs> GGB. Because there, there's a lots of like pleasant moments with him where you you notice the timidness, but there's also whenever Ulysses has his corpse animated to give the exposition, like he, he's the only one that's like amused by it. Like he kind of like looks to everybody else, like this is pretty cool, isn't it? Like he yeah. he has that childish like appreciation for everything, but also mm-hmm. kind of like that skepticism of like I, I'm almost going to attribute it to. Uh, Age of Ultron, that line that uh, Natasha gives to uh, Banner, that he's the guy who knows he'll win, so that's why he avoids the fight, kind of. Mm-hmm. Thing. Yeah, he almost he, he even has like so uh, in the comics, at least as far as I know, Jack Russell is a white guy, mm-hmm. and this is one of those moments where I think choosing an actor of a different race really lent so many different degrees to that character. It was the perfect casting. And the uh, I, it even seems at moments like maybe English isn't his first language. I mean, obviously he has an accent, but like there are, there are idioms and things where he seems to struggle for a moment, which makes him seem even more like a fish out of water and even more sort of against the, the odds of the room. You know, it, I think it works to make him sympathetic. And the moment when he meets Ted and you see him relax and that is really like, I think aside from that moment where he laughs at the corny, I'm rotting for you. When he laughs at the corny joke. He really, when he like, when Ted's, you know, reaches out of the bushes and, and grabs him and you expect him to be terrified and his face relaxes and he's like, oh, there's my buddy that I was looking for. That moment where he just sort of r- relaxes into his, you know, most relaxed, most normal self. You see the face of a guy that like, I want to hang out with that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he seems really nice and cool and, you know. It's just like, yeah, I want to, I want to be the the third wheel in that (laughs) friendship too. So I think we're kind of in here just talking about favorite scenes, favorite characters. Uh, I am going to throw to you, but Leach, is there anything about Bernal's performance that stood out to you as well? I mean, I definitely got the vibe that he, not that he wasn't supposed to be here there, but he was definitely a stranger. Um, I like, like I said, I did not know he was going to be the main, the werewolf. And I actually am glad I didn't because that made it, it just felt like he was someone that was maybe like in, you know, he mentioned his ancestry, like, oh, maybe like great, 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 great grandpa was like BFFs with, you know, um, the guy who died and, or something like someone the in the bloodline. Yeah. Someone in the bloodline. <laughs> and I'm just like, there's going to just like be a secret reveal or something. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I loved the hand coming out. Cause just like the, it reminds me of that, that gif of the face going, Oh, Oh, like, <laughs> I didn't know how to react. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. is this oh, good, bad, bad, no good. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're, we're fine. We're fine. This is good. Just expressing that like relief. And then just, yeah, like just relaxing and talking to your friend and then just taking the shot of being like, Hey, I'm just here to help my bud. Like, do you trust me? And it's like, you can probably, I mean, dogs can sense when people are good people or not. So that's probably the case here, but I don't know. It was, Oh, that's an awesome point. It's, it was just really refreshing to just kind of be like, we're not playing games here. Just like, seriously, like if you, you know, well, I'm just trying to do this and you're trying to do that. Can we just help each other? Because I just want to get my buddy out of here. And it completely flipped 
the rest of the episode. The the good guys were not the good guys anymore. They were the bad guys, like from that moment on. So just kind of conveying that and then not only just the story flipping, that character flipping as well, but also maintaining everything from the beginning. Just that like calm cautiousness was it was well done. He I wouldn't don't want to say he completely carried it, but like he did a fantastic job and I can't imagine it done any other way. I mean, it almost rests on his performance. He's yeah. the titular werewolf in yeah. Werewolf by Night. Like yeah. Gotta- I mean, I mean, Elsa did a fantastic job as well. Um, just that whole character. I want to know so much more. Um, but it was, it was, I was impressed. Yeah, I definitely got some Moonlight vibes as well. I didn't want to say it because I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be like, that's oh, another brown guy. That's why. But you guys made a very, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm brown. I'm aware of this. Um, y'all made a very good, good point in just the demeanor and the darkness. And uh, he did. A He's job. an incredibly talented mm-hmm. actor. I, I saw him in a movie called Itu Mama Tembien a long time ago. <clears throat> and he made an, an instant impression. Mm-hmm. And then he, I think he's in Babel or he's in one of the Inyaritu scripts. He's worked with all the, the best Latin American, Mexican filmmakers. He's really, really talented dude. And he's not that old. He's already got like a massive, uh, you know, uh, record of turning in just great performances after great performances. He played Che Guevara in a TV movie about Fidel Castro. He just crushed it. He's, he's so good. I didn't realize he was Hector in Coco. I was just looking at that. I tabbed over to see. <laughs> That's apparently how he and Giacchino met. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was uh, that was on Jack. Were there any characters or scenes uh, that you'd want to highlight as well, Leech? Oh, scenes I want to like highlight. Like, are we talking about things we like? Things oh we're yeah, in love with. Um, we're kind of in free game now. I'm yeah, sure we're, you've we're got a list. Free range. Yeah. This I, is yeah. what I do, Leech, when I'm on the show. I just tangent until I've obliterated the outline. No, it's fine. Trey <laughs> keeps us on track. Um, can we talk about the tasers being the Go lighting in those scenes? Because that was the best thing ever. I I love that so much. Just oh my gosh, that gave me big like TVA vibes and. Oh, I want. I wanted that. I, I. It gave me so many like little ideas. Oh, when he's fighting the guards. Yeah, when he's fighting the guards okay. and their their tasers are all on the ground, and you just have have that flickering, but it's not like, mm. oh, there's like Frankenstein with his machinery in the background. Like, how else will you get that flicker effect? And then she's coming up on him. You see just that broken light bulb machinery flicker, and it's just all the tasers on the ground. That's the only lighting you have, and I loved that so much. It gave me such big video game vibes. Yeah, to to play off that, I'm so glad you brought that up because after Jack fully transforms and you get that first full on look and he's kind of like huffing and puffing and looking at the camera and it's zooming in on him, you see the reflection of that flickering lights in his eyes and it's so good. Oh, yeah. Do we think that that is intentionally another Marvel hallway fight? Oh, I mean, we saw a hallway fight and we saw the widow leg grab. So like there were definitely mm. little like winks going. I wonder throughout. if it's like, so, you know, yeah, I have to wonder like if it's an executive going like, can we, let's do another hallway fight. You know? Yeah. And Giacchino being like, let me see how I can do that and make it incredibly awesome. Mm-hmm. The slow push in and then the slow pull out with, with all the flickering and the, the smoke and jumping on and off camera, the blood splattering up when he's close to the camera. I mean, my God. I'm going to jump off that and use that to like talk about 
one of my favorite things about this series. That was one of the things I had highlighted because it is, as you said, it's almost like a tracking shot of this camera slowly zooming into that hallway as the guards only exit is like slowly closing with Jack just demolishing him. And you mentioned the blood spatter. You mentioned like the frenetic energy of like him jumping from diagonally off camera back into the frame, throwing people on the walls. And the best part bites that dude's neck at one point, I think it's real close. So you don't see it, but you know, that's what he's doing. Well, that's the blood spatter. I think too. Yeah, And, yeah. And, and like the thing that I think they do well to make those fights feel great is he gets hit. It's not just like him beating down on everybody and no contest. He's getting shocked multiple times. So that just adds to that like kinetic energy as we go closer. And of course, as we talked about earlier with the black and white choice, because of the light slowly closing, it only casts those shadows larger to make that impending doom feel uh, that much scarier. And, and I'll round off with my larger point. This show, because we talked about the one when he first enters the room, we talked about this long take as well. And even though they weren't long takes, this, uh, is it Giacchino? He holds shots specifically long. Like if I'm noticing it, like I never really get too deep into like the technical terms when it comes to filmmaking, but if I'm noticing it, it's it's such an intentional choice. Uh, the, the moment where uh, Verusa is like taunting Jack with the bloodstone and she gets pulled into the cage. Mm. It stays on her panicked face for like a good Zooms 10 in seconds. Yeah. On our, it's right up against her eyes. Yeah. So good. Oh. Did you guys know? Sorry, Leech. No, you're fine. You're fine. Go for it. Did, did you guys, I just found, learned this day and this is one of my favorite sort of like production tidbits I've heard about this so far was the, the transformation where it's the shadows on the wall was done practically. I it's didn't not know that CGI. So it's a combination. So you've got the flickering and then you go dark for a moment and you flicker back. And apparently what they did was they would just have different actors and different levels of the werewolf makeup jumping and out. Of That's the shot. amazing. Isn't that cool? I want to see that. I hope there's some sort of assembled about this. Oh, I God, have yeah. To have I didn't even think about that leech, but you're right. So we're not getting an assembled, but we are getting, it's called director by night. And it is a making of special, but I don't know. <laughs> 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 that really got me. Uh, I don't know if it's going to go into that detail or if it's just going to focus on the directing, but uh, we are getting a behind the scenes. So. Awesome. I just, that tickled me so much because you know, that's something that they would have had to come up with back in the day, right? In the fifties, thirties, forties, fifties, you know, even like, um, Trey, you were talking about long shots. Long shots were a necessity back in the day because editing was such a hassle, you know. And also, you know, when the Hammer films and the the Universal horror films, you're dealing with theater actors who are used to doing long takes, and so all of it, you know, film being adapted from theater, like even that stuff is reflecting the style, the the old black and white monster movie style. So it just everything worked. I mean, Jakino was a smart smart guy really just attacked it from a very analytical place i i really i always admire that stuff yeah i have a question for you both okay did when when we were all told that there was weapons hiding throughout the garden did either of your eyes like flicker to the coffin and that there was a like a blunderbuss and a sword right there did any of you notice that 
either of you. I did not. Because they actually used both of them. They used both of them in it. And I was so happy. That's probably like the best thing. And I just, we we were starting to talk about like the end and that's when they pulled the gun back out. And I was just like, yeah, they used both of them. I'm so happy because that would have been (laughs) such a waste. And there's no way those were just props for the coffin. I don't know if anyone else caught that, but oh, that made my brain so happy. Well, that's cool. I'm going to look for that when I rewatch it again. Yeah, both of them are used. I did not notice that. And I also now know to know to be wary of Leech if I ever get into a <laughs> battle royale. <laughs> Leech has a blunderbuss gun somewhere. I, um, I, did they not actually? Because I, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say maybe. You don't know. I might have a blunderbuss. <laughs> uh, now I'm also afraid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, did they not? fire it because i i saw an interview today where one of the producers was saying that they intentionally didn't use guns does it it get up to the moment where it's not actually fired i don't think it got fired because that okay i'm I'm gonna check i'm checking it's like they're attempting to fire and they don't and i think that was that was part of actually what they were trying to to control the violence to some degree they didn't want gun battles at all and, yeah and that, the producer was actually saying like uh, to me a sword fight is way more interesting visually than a gunfight mm-hmm. i have to agree with that i think that's completely true so uncivilized <laughs> no but uh i while leech is double checking that you're you're reminding me of an article i was reading before we recorded where one of the makeup artists specifically was like I don't know. He keeps saying we need more blood, but also we're working for the house of mouse. Are we allowed to get away with this? (laughs) Do they have a blood budget? (laughs) Well, more so of like what they would allow. So it's funny to me to hear like blood producer, a guy who stands in the corner and shakes his (laughs) finger. It's like Charlie day's character, just counting the ounces. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh man. Can we talk about the makeup? Yeah, go for it. Because, my God, the creature design is so good. Because it really does straddle that line between modern day and, and old school. And the the face in particular doesn't transform him so much that he no longer looks like Jack. You can still very easily see Jack's face when he's fully transformed. And it pays off in the moment where he attacks Elsa and you don't know which way he's going to go. And you finally kind of see his face revealed and mostly lit in that moment and his eyes are still those almost like innocent you know fish out of water eyes and it's uh, just that I, I think that's an art in and of itself you know that the makeup the creature design and, and the makeup when you're doing you know when you're having a guy transform into a werewolf you know do you go full monster where he's unrecognizable like american werewolf in london or do you go you know the like Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman where he looked a lot like Lon Chaney Jr. And I think they found a middle point mm-hmm. that was perfect for the, for the here and now. Yeah. There, there's such a nice blend of prosthetics, practical and CGI. Uh, I mean, look at man thing specifically, like that is mm. both a person in a costume and obviously CGI to make the articulations of the face and the tendrils and like the personality that can't be done in just the costume. And so it is this beautiful marriage, which seems to be the running theme of the entire special of like the running marriage of like offsetting times, offsetting technical uh, uh, filmmaking, and then offsetting like costume wardrobe. Like it's this perfect mesh together. Same actor that performed Black Crescenton in Book of Boba Fett, apparently. The giant Wookiee. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. 
Sedan. It's a cool little tidbit too. Yeah. I found the, the guy that actually great. like worked the suit. Like they had a voice guy, but he's the guy like in the suit. Mm-hmm. So Leech, uh, we have an update. Yes, I found it and I was right. They do you use they, the blunderbuss? They they grab the gun. Let's see. Here it is. Um I forgot this character's name. Let me go back to my handy dandy Ted. notes. Nope, not Ted. <laughs> um it was Verusa. Mm-hmm. And it was Oh, it's at that last shoot. point when yeah, she's gonna go, ooh, you cannot see anything. When she's gonna walk up and shoot. And then she gets That's downed. right after the You let him go. Yep, that's exactly the point. You let him go. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a good. <laughs> that's a shot. There's the blunderbuss. Yes. Ulysses yeah. Chekhov's gun. Yes. <laughs> oh so it is, yeah, so they don't actually, she doesn't actually fire it. No. A chance to fire it. No. Because Ted burns her alive with her own sin apparently so. is what he does that's what happens actually that's a i think we could have learned more about how ted's powers work because that all that's a pretty big question right? oh yeah there's uh stuff from the comic in there like if you know what the apparently in the comic the more evil you are when he touches you it burns you know oh. worse like innocent people don't burn when he touches them apparently um but not knowing that oh, that it's like he goes and grabs his buddy and nothing happens. I mean, obviously right. his power over, but I don't know if he actually knew if that was him sticking his hand out. I don't know. I don't think he has a choice, at least yeah. in the comics. I think when he touches you, you either get burned or you don't. Wow. Which is a sad, it's a sad element to his yeah. character as well. The riskiest high five of my life. <laughs> 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 but Leech, I'd be remiss if we didn't get a chance to circle back to you as much as you're into uh, cosplay, costume design and, and makeup. Like, what did you think? Was there anything that stuck out between Jack or Man-Thing or anything? I mean, the busts were wild. I was like, okay, whose office are those sitting in now? Like, whose house, you know, has <laughs> those now? Those blew my mind. I mean, the makeup was nuts. Like I, the statues on the, like the heads? Yeah, the, the heads on the wall. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it said busts. That can mean anything. Um, <laughs> I was trying to remember if there were busts as well, but I thought this. Yeah, yeah, the mounted heads. Yeah, um, like the bat thing and yeah, oh the Yeti yeah, or oh yeah, said. those were. I mean, those weren't just like oh gosh, you know, taxidermy hell. Like, what is happening here? Like, <laughs> I mean, they looked alive, and there was a flicker of a moment there. I'm like, oh, we're talking about this bloodstone doing anything? Like, what if the bloodstone's like keeping them in a per like a perfect preserved state or something? And like, he can free all of his friends. I don't know. This is crazy. Um, they, they just look like that amazing. Um, that stuck out. I mean, the costumes, just that tie was glorious. Jack's tie was glorious. That stuck out. I mean, just like the little tiny details that like, they didn't have to be there, but they were there and they just kind of like fleshed everyone out and all their characters. That was cool. Like someone had a lot of fun with that for sure. With just like the little accessories and detailing and whatnot. And again, that would have very much distracted me if it was not black and white. I would have just been trying to like, I actually, I almost rewound once and I was like, nope, nope, I'm not going to do it. But uh, (laughs) if it was color, I would have, I would have paused it. I would have, you know, chopped the frames and tried to figure out what they had because it was really pretty. That room was gorgeous. I, the elements were pretty. And I, I feel like whoever made those obviously knew they're going to be in black and white because you can very much make it you know too dark too saturated and whatnot you have to have a nice balance with your colors but they didn't let that hinder them from going all out and i appreciated that 
Yeah. They set the tone for sure in that, those opening minutes. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. You know, you talked about them having fun as costume designers, makeup artists, and so on and so forth. You're not having fun unless you're setting tubas on fire. Like that, like that, <laughs> that So, alone. you know, it's funny you mentioned that. It's on my list too. If, you, if this ends with you telling me you've done this, I will have so much respect for you. <laughs> no. No, that's actually a sousaphone. And everyone keeps saying it's a tuba. Like, feel uh, people it is a sousaphone. that yeah. hear this. If Yeah, I, I'm pre- I actually double-checked this before we started. I'm like, okay, like, I know the difference between a tuba and sousaphone. Internet, can you confirm? And it's like, tubas definitely looks like this. Sousaphones definitely look like that. I'm like, okay. So that's a flaming sousaphone. I guarantee there's going to be some, like, there's going to be all those band geeks out there that are like, oh, I've been waiting for this moment. I know my Halloween costume now. <laughs> like they take those Suzes home. They're in two pieces. Like there are going to be photos of people doing that. There's going to be a drum line that's going to represent that somewhere because that was amazing. I was trying, that actually distracted me. I was trying to figure out how, because the flames were going, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a show. They can make whatever happen, but the flames were going with each breath. So I'm just like, is it connected somehow? Like, how are they doing it? How is this timed so perfectly? And I'm like, wait, come on, reel it back in. Like, <laughs> we're about to enter the maze. Like, let's go. But that was incredible. They had no reason to have that. As far as I can tell, I don't think that's canon at all, but like, <laughs> they just focused on that for so long. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, I love whoever pitched that. Oh, yeah. Can we have him wearing a sousaphone and can it be on fire? Right. And like, where yeah. was sousaphone guy? He's like, all right, job's done tonight. And, you know, like, <laughs> you just, I'm just here for the intro. <laughs> like, yeah. so By great. the way, also a marching band geek. Hell played trombone yeah. for six years. There you go. And I uh, stood right next to the sousaphone guy. Mm-hmm. You can't wear a tuba to wear a sousaphone. Yeah, exactly. You're welcome, Trey. <laughs> yeah. Well, well that, one, thank you for the, the information and correcting, correcting me <laughs> because I uh, felt Susu Sidley. And now, <laughs> uh, uh, now uh, I'm not rotting for that one. <laughs> now I, I wanted to ask. Uh, it seems like we've got so many great things of things you like, scenes and characters. Uh, I want to make sure if there was any more before moving on to our lingering questions. Any final things to highlight, JB? Shout out to Ted. I mean, we haven't talked about Man Thing much. Uh, number one, love that they never call a man thing because mm-hmm. there's too many wiener jokes there, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just, especially when this comic was usually called giant sized man thing. It's just, just let's, let's avoid that MCU. Uh, so, and the choice of how they, and also swamp thing, there's a lot of reasons to avoid it. Um, and the fact that they just called him Ted and and he doubles down by saying Ted. His name is Ted. It's like perfect. But the design of that creature, the fact that he's so instantly lovable. I mean, talk about thick Groot. Same vibes <laughs> from Man-Thing. Like, give me a hug, Man-Thing. Except don't, because I'm probably not a good enough person. <laughs> you know, he just he had those great, those big eyes. And he's like, a, he's like a plant. And even before that tag at the end, you know, when they're camping buddies, even before then when he's hiding in the bushes. And I think part of it is the vocalizations. He almost sounds like a pig sometimes in like a cute way. Um, it's like a growl, but it's got like a piggy snorty kind of a like sound to it as well. Um, even like when he's at, he basically asks Elsa, like, where did Jack go? He's like, 
<laughs> and she's like, you went that way. And he's like, <laughs> like, he almost says, okay. Even the vocalizations are adorable. There's just something. So, and part of it is, I think, you know, gentle giants are always like super appealing. Um, but I just, I loved Ted from the get go. And if I need to see more, I need to see more of all of these characters, but I, I definitely need to see more Ted. I definitely got like a, toothless vibes from how to train your dragon when it was just oh. like you know oh i call you by familiar name and you kind of have that like oh like that cat like innocent shoulders go down neck goes up and yeah, there was yeah. a lot of like um physical uh, what's it called um oh, what's it called when you use your body t- uh to express things that are that you're talking about body language body language just- thank you yeah i just couldn't mm. figure those words out yeah the body language like that was carrying it all and it was it was really cool to see like the transition of like, Oh, you know, my name, like what's going on. So mm-hmm. this is a very intelligent just, creature. <laughs> you, you feel just the talk mom- to him like he's an old friend. Yeah. Yeah. You feel the momentum of that energy change. Once she says Ted, he's like, huh? like he mm-hmm. just like, he immediately like comes mm-hmm. down and to respond to a couple of those things. Like, yeah, we're talking about the, the, the way that he's able to express himself. JB, when you were describing that scene about like, oh, which way did he go? And she shows him and he goes, okay, my memory was him saying, okay, but he doesn't speak. It is that mm-hmm. like, grunt. right. So like that, but it is clearly like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he's communicating. Okay. And it is literally like, mm-hmm. like it's, you know, yeah. like they did a good job on that point. And then finally, again, back to that camping scene, showing that it's more than just being that like innocent cat light thing, even though they have that quality, the something that stood out to me, and it's so funny that this stood out to me as much as I work with coffee for for photography. Ted made him French press coffee while he yeah. was in the tent. Oh, they yeah. had that little French press there, and I, I was didn't like, catch that. Oh, like that's yeah. so nice, Ted. <laughs> but I noticed the second viewing that he he reaches down very gingerly and like takes one giant plant finger and lifts the little coffee cup up and has it ready for when Jack comes out of the tent. Did you notice when he was leaving, like that main hall, he like scooped up a jacket and then when we come back to and like ted wakes up or not ted um jack Jack wakes up he has the big jacket on so he's probably like i know the routine he's gonna gonna mess up his clothes he's gonna need a jacket and he's gonna be all cranky he's gonna get some coffee and they're just gonna yeah it's about this time he's gonna get up like they've been friends for a long time that's what i that's great that's really i i noticed today the second viewing him pick up the jacket Mm. But I didn't put those things together. And my first thought was, is, that, is he going to smell it? And, and that's how he's going to know where, you know, I didn't, right. I didn't really think too hard about it. But he was but like, yeah, that's, he looked, that's so cool. He looked like Jen in her like giant suit <laughs> clothes when he came out of this little like hut. He was like, oh, hey, man. And I was like, oh, that's what that was. I was like, is that? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, oh, that's how he's going to track him and find him. Hmm. It's adorable. I wonder if also he's meant to <clears throat> evoke Dracula in that moment because it's a it's a it's almost comes off like a black cloak with a red inner lining, mm. and they are recalling all these Universal monster movies mm-hmm. so that might have been on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've got Blade coming. Oh, hmm. that's going to be fun. So, I think that's a good cue for lingering questions. So, uh, Leech, I'll start with you this time. What uh, what lingering questions do you have for Werewolf by Night? where can I get a badge? Like, what is the process to be like deserving of this badge? You have to turn in for this 
JB, I told you I was that wary was... of the blunderbuss comment. Now she's looking for a badge. <laughs> Wait, I'm lost. What, what badge are we talking about? So you actually had to turn in your piece when like they took. So that was the part I didn't really understand. They like deposited. It was like one of those like fishbowl key parties, like, you know, put your keys in the fishbowl. <laughs> and this was uh, like, put your badge in and they all had like the same badge and they like pulled out oh. this, the, their numbers. They're like token numbers after that. So I'm just like, okay. tell me more about the badge. Cause all these people are like certified, like best of the best. Da, 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 da. Like, we get where they're a part of this like unofficial club. And then they had these badges. I want to know, to know more about whatever society and whatnot is happening there. I think you have to kill a monster. I which, does I it, I, and then that's another thing. Like, what counts as a confirmed kill? Did he just show up and was like, "I wrote a hundred on the form to sign in"? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a decent number, and everyone's coming in at thirties. So he's like, "Oh crap, I went way too high." Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I wanted to know more about that. Well, I'll, I'm going to back up Leech on this one because it's not just confirmed kills. Because it is that moment where it's uh, Barrasso who's the one who protests to Verusa, like. Let me get this straight. We all earned our way into this. And she just gets to show up like this backdoor party and mm -hmm. join. And she doesn't have the badge, but she's still able to compete. And given the implied history, I'm assuming she's a monster killer, too. So it's not just like, oh, you get a monster kill. It's some sort of like part of that society that badge represents. And how did she know? How did she know what their numbers were? Like, uh, unless they, they wrote them down or somewhere. And, and how did she know Jack killed over a hundred people? Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that phrasing is she says, you know, such and such confirmed kills, such and such confirmed kills. And then she goes to Jack a hundred deaths, uh -huh. which is such mm -hmm. an interesting like flip for whatever reason. I, I, I could be just reading into it, but I wondered, I think I, I think I have a sense of the answer of this, but I wondered if Jack did kill a hundred people. As a werewolf, but then if they know not. he's a werewolf, wouldn't that negate him getting in undiscovered? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that they knew. I don't. I don't think they knew he was a werewolf. But I wonder if the number was honest. Mm -hmm. You know, if like in oh, a yeah. sad way, Jack by losing control has has caused a hundred deaths. Maybe that is why it's deaths and not murders. You know, maybe he knocked a house down and people died. You know, what I mean, but I wonder if in a, in a as a sad note to his character, if Jack has maybe been responsible for a hundred deaths oh, yeah. as a werewolf. That's it would make possible. sense. So, uh, JB, what, uh, what lingering questions do you have for werewolf by night? Yeah. Like I was saying, I'd like to know more about Ted. I didn't know sort of where he comes from and how his powers work. And hopefully those will be things that will be answered in some future, you know, movie or TV show when all of these characters fingers crossed all come back together in some form of story i would like to know what's next for elsa is she now the matriarch of the family is she in control of all of the resources that her stepmother had and what's she going to do with them you know and what is what does she want now that she's gotten what she wants you know we're i, I mean i don't think anybody at mcu central is dumb enough not to bring these characters back i think it'd be insane not to it's in some way you know, I'm not saying they need to be in, you know, secret wars or whatever, but in some form, I think you've got to bring them back again, especially after the success of werewolf by night. Yeah. So I just really, 
most of my questions are just what happens next mm-hmm. you know? and what happened before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so more, just give me more. <laughs> just, just give me more. Yeah. Give me more of the horror MCU, please. Uh, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting was I, I saw an interview with Giacchino where, what was his name? Barossa, the blade guy, <laughs> the uh, guy that presented a lot like blade. Barrasso. Yeah. Barrasso um, apparently was initially going to be played. Mm. Oh, like they had, they could considered having blade be a part of this. And then obviously he would have escaped or, you know, he wouldn't have been a major part of the conclusion. I don't think, but I think, um, cause when I first saw that guy, I was like, he's, he's definitely working a blade angle mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and, uh, it would have been cool, but I think it's probably the right call to not use him yet to debut him in his own show. It would have been distracting. Yeah. It would have been distracting. It would have taken focus away from Jack and Ted. Jack and Ted and Elsa, and this is their story. So for my lingering question, I'll go a little bit more meta. And because we're what? Right. Trey? <laughs> go meta? What? It took you long enough. <laughs> Listen, I gotta make up for it last week. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but Leech and I somehow got to the end of our She-Hulk wrap up before talking about the meta nature. Really? Yeah. You talked about She-Hulk without talking meta? Until now that's end? meta. <laughs> that's yeah. Call Dan Harmon. I've just got a job. Oh, I wish. <laughs> there's so many Rick and Morty alumni in the MCU now. There's gotta be a Dan Harmon plot somewhere. Like he's gotta someday make it into the mcu someday. like as a character no 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 no. like as writing writing a show like because oh. he gave he wrote some of uh dr strange he gave notes so like a lot of the rewrites and stuff were kind of off his guidance but uh i'd yeah, be interested to see a dan Harmon screenwriting regardless going meta with my lingering questions uh i'm with you jb i want to see this part of the universe expanded uh i hope we do but i wonder even if we let's say we get the Elsa Bloodstone Disney Plus series, six episodes, yada, yada, at some point, will we see and maybe Elsa can be in this as well. Will we see another special around this time in that same style of the black and white kind of homage to the 30s and 40s, whereas like Elsa can go and be break away from that style while still being part of this universe. Uh, is that even compatible? Can we see like Leech? Like, would it bother you to have any one of these characters get a show and not be the same style as Werewolf by Night? I honestly think the only way that they would be able to maintain the style if it was like a flashback, because it okay. really felt like with all the talk about like let's not you know worry about the sins of our fathers kind of thing, and you know like we carry on the trauma of our families. Like that felt like a chapter was closed and like, we are now like free to breathe. So I feel like anything in color with this is going to be after this special and anything in black and white can definitely happen before. And they can, they can have so much fun with that going back in time in the Marvel universe. Like, yes, please. Like I did not get (laughs) nearly enough of that in Eternals. And I just, Marvel. Or yeah, Miss Marvel, uh, Captain America. Like I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I love all of that. Just like, did you know that these these you know these characters were here before the dinosaurs? Like, yes, <laughs> yep, I will watch it. When does it come out? So there's a, I think that uh, a Namor would be a good doorway into that because Namor has been around for a very long mm-hmm. time. We're mm-hmm. learn prior to what we you know prior to the Avengers, prior to Tony and the Avengers Initiative. Namor's been around a very, very long time. 
So that there's a lot of possibilities for flashing back with that character, yeah. I think. But I would like to see. I think you can. I think you can mill those characters in. I, I still want to see the characters of the dark MCU or the horror MCU together in some form. That being Moon Knight and Blade and Ted and Jack and Elsa. Whether it's like the Midnight Suns, which is a, is probably a good sort of template for them to use, which is just the in the comics, it's like it's the it has most of those people on that team, and there and Doctor Strange is there, and uh, Ghost Rider is another one who would fit really well. Um, I think that's probably, that's where, that's what I would pitch. Like if I worked for the MCU, I would say, let's do a midnight sun show. And that's where we bring all these people back. And it doesn't need to be stylized. It doesn't need to be black and white, but I think you do in the same way that moon Knight was dark and darker than what we'd seen before. I think there's a middle ground there that, that they can all exist in comfortably, but I love the idea of flashing back and going into that old style. Be great. Yeah. And I don't, Honestly, like we're at a point now, like if everything ends up pointing to the same, like, you know, big baddie, like that just seems really forced with all these players involved at this point. There's just so many, like, I'm okay if we split off and we just like have our own little thing. Like we can go in a completely different direction. I I can do that. I juggle dozens of shows at a time. Like that would be effortless. We're past just this like Avengers plot line, like, we are talking about a universe. We can treat it as one. That's okay. I hope that that's the goal. I think you're right. I think, and I think that you've got to change up the template too. You know, you can have the waves, you know, like two, we've had two waves with one big bad really at the end. And I think for your next wave, you either need to, if they're going to do secret wars where the beyonder is not so much a villain, he's more of just like a God that wants to play with the pieces. And that's where you throw all of your characters, even from the different multiverses, all in the same battle world planet where they're all fighting each other. You could have all of the people in that for sure. But I would love to see something that did sort of have like, like um, tears to it, you know, where the Avengers are fighting, a Kang level villain. And then the midnight Suns are fighting, you know, Mephisto or something at the same time. And you can make references that these things are happening at the same time, just not in the same movie. I think that makes a whole lot of sense for how you build out the MCU in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys are definitely on my brainwave and uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and transition us into the last question. And I'll start with me of, you know, what lesson can the Disney plus shows learn from this entry werewolf by night and that was the the statement. It's okay not to be part of the larger picture. Like, I agree with you, Leech. I don't need to see uh, Jack and Elsa show up at the end fighting Kang. Like, that's fine. Like, this, this did such a great job of setting the horror side of the MCU that, like, I don't, I don't, I, it feels weird to say, I almost don't want to see them connect. Let them mm -hmm. continue being their little not their little, that sounds diminutive. Let them be their own part of the, the universe. So and that's the way the comics work. You know, you don't generally see ghost Rider fighting the same villains that the Avengers fight. And they really shouldn't. It really, it should be kept separate, yeah. but you can still have two. You can still make them many waves. You can still have multiple show slash movie storylines, you know, but they don't need to be all one. You could have three concurrent storylines going on. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. yeah, that's my dream idea one day is that after we get past the multiverse saga, we see a phase start with an Avengers level movie 
and then end on a cliffhanger, let all the movies in the middle be dealing with the conflict of what happened and then have another big like team up movie at the end to like resolve it all. And I feel like if you do that, you can kind of do what you're talking about, JB, of these concurrent like big events happening without having to cross over until the very That's end. a cool idea. Yeah. There's a thing going on in the comics right now. It's a, an Eternals thing where they have a, a, a celestial. You guys saw the Eternals movie, so you, you guys know what those are. Mm-hmm. Um sort of giant gods of the Marvel universe. And it's like a Avengers versus Eternals versus X-Men thing crossover event going on. And they do this uh, in comics pretty well in, in the Marvel comics pretty well, where they do have like these events and then they have characters who are not directly involved in the, you know, in affecting the end of that event, but are affected by it in their own smaller little worlds. So I, there was a, a, a Spider-Man com- So this celestial comes to earth to judge all of the earth. And it, it, it either appears as itself or it appears to the person as someone they know. And if the celestial and the celestial is judging them as a person. So it, in Peter's case, Gwen Stacy appears. And kind of haunts him. She doesn't say anything, but she's just kind of standing in the corner of the room, judging every you know, action that Peter takes throughout the story. And Peter is not involved in the fight against the Celestial. It's just how the overarching you know, story affects his little world. And it's a, it's a cool little self-contained story that exactly does what you're talking about, Trey. That reflects what's going on in the sort of macroverse, but in a microcosmic way. Yeah. So... They've, it's all there, you know. It's hire all those me, lessons Kevin. are there in the comics to be learned. Sorry, I said hire me, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> hire all three of us. And by the way, Kevin, <laughs> Leech has a blunderbuss. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So, uh, Leech, we'll go with you. What uh, what lessons would you like to see learned from Werewolf by Night? I mean, I think. I, I haven't seen the numbers on this, but I'm really curious to see how well this overall did with audiences because I feel like it's kind of like filling in a gap of just like, I want something new I have no ties to, and I really like the style of everything that's going on in this universe of just the fantastical. And like, it's okay to have those like one sh- like one-offs. Like, it's okay that I don't know anything. I, I don't feel like I have felt the entire rest of the MCU where it's like, Oh, Captain America, like, okay. Like I know he's this dude and he does the thing with stuff. Like I had to know kind of stuff or even have that thought of like, should I like Google this first or know the comics? And I don't feel like I have to have that with this because it's just so out there to me and it's not as mainstream. And I want more of that. I'd like less pressure. (laughs) (laughs) of being a fan (laughs) and getting you know these characters that have fantastic stories that have not had as much spotlight as others and i i would love more of that and i hope they can give us more of that and they have the platform to do it they it's it's disney they have the money they have the the streaming service like this did well and again i'd love to see the numbers but what are the is the Rotten Tomato number for it, or is the do they not judge it? Just curious. I all I know is sort of word word of mouth, like you leech, like just what I know. Like, and I've lots of different people who have varying opinions on lots of different Marvel projects. All seem to love Werewolf by Night. I haven't heard anybody got a ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's crazy. Yeah, seven point three, IMDb. Yeah. yeah, that's 
yeah, it did well. I think I think it's I think you can qualify it as a success for sure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. definitely Disney executives are paying attention to that. I would actually just to go back to something that we briefly mentioned, but in addition to seeing these characters go on in some other form, I think a, a yearly Halloween special, oh, yeah. one off would be great. Oh yeah. With uh, something new every time. And it doesn't need to be this black and white hammer horror thing. It could, let's let's do a 70s slasher style, you know. Oh. Let's, let's 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 take horror the different sort of genres and, and and decades and approaches to horror. Let's do a body horror one, Cronenbergian thing. You know, it's like there's so much potential, and just like Leach was saying, you don't you don't have to come in with all the notes, and you don't need to know all these connections. You can enjoy an hour of tight, well told story. Mm-hmm. You got me so excited <laughs> with the different genre of horrors with different characters. I don't. Wouldn't know- that be fun? Like imagine like a, a, a slasher, but the slasher's not the villain, it's Logan. And you're dealing with there the slasher go. tropes, but it's you're rooting for him in a way. Like, like there's something like there. Halloween in reverse, where mm-hmm. Michael Myers is, you know, is the good guy and Laurie is the, <laughs> the villain. <somehow. laughs> the babysitters are the villains. Yeah. That's funny. So uh, I, I just want to make sure and double check. Uh, was that your lesson learned or do you have an, uh, a different lesson learned for this question, JB? Um, I think, yeah, the, the lesson basically would be the same. Yeah, it would be, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a massive thing. It doesn't need to be a part of one stream of continuity. It could be a substream that is self-contained, that is references the, the primary stream. And that's all we really need. You know, and that, and also sometimes all it takes is one hour to tell a great story. You know, maybe some things don't need six episodes, even, you know, 40, 40 minutes or, or not, you know, whatever, like some things. And, and also look, let's, let's do a St. Patrick's day one, you know, let's do a Christmas <laughs> one. <laughs> let's, I mean, we're doing a Christmas one with guardians, right? So let's do more of these one hour self-contained stories. I think that's a way not to enjoy as a standalone thing, but it's also, I think inevitably going to bring some people into the larger MCU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You might make Avengers fans out of people who enjoy these one shots. Yeah. It's a lot more standalone, a lot easier to be like, Hey, you should check this out. You don't need to know. I mean, I'm not going to lie in the discord. We're having a watch. It'll have happened by the time this episode's out, but we are having a watch party on Sunday and I'm so I'm seeing people joining who weren't joining for she Hulk. Cause there's not as much homework. Like you can just mm. come in and watch Werewolf by Night and be fine. So, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I guess the only other thing would be, and it's not so much a new lesson, but I think it the, it's keep taking chances on creators, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like giving Michael Giacchino his first director's job, coming from composing. There's a lot of producers and a lot of companies that would not have made that call because that is a, that's a fairly risky call at this make. scale. Yeah, uh, yeah, at the scale, and I, I think like he probably would not have been given a six episode series, right? But like there was somebody that was like, "All right, we'll see what he can do with an hour, and he'll go from there." But I am like my friend said, "Give him Blade, man. <laughs> Just <laughs> let him take take over Blade with all the problems you know that it's going through." Um, and but. Not just him, but like they did with James Gunn. I think every time they have really succeeded, they have taken a chance on an, an, an original independent voice. And there are lots of, like Heather Quinn, there are lots of writers on these shows that are just, you know, staff writers that are probably capable of helming their own series or their own movie. Well, that's nice too, because then it actually like gives the product like an individual feel 
versus like there's one person churning out the same movies talking about completely right. different characters and different completely different lives lived and experiences and you're also reflecting that with the directors and you're having unique directors make these unique projects and it shows i i definitely appreciate that yeah. Shoot, let's let's give Dan Harmon an hour. <laughs> he would be great. He would probably be great doing Next Wave, if you guys have ever heard of actually Elsa Bloodstone is in Next Wave. Mm. So it's, it's a it's a it's an R rated or PG thirteen rated uh satire that exists within the Marvel continuity. Uh, that basically has like all the characters are f ups or hate each other. It's almost like a dirty dozen inside the Marvel universe. Monica Rambo is one of the is a member of Next Wave, um, and it's it's basically comedy action and and it is meta, very meta. So that has like, Dan Harmon written oh, all yeah. over it, doesn't it? I think mm-hmm. you would crush that. Yeah. Well, either that or some, you know, some little known writer in. Los Angeles maybe has some comics under his belt. Maybe been on a few MCU podcasts, <laughs> you know, who has a friend who has a blunderbuss. <laughs> Kevin, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's going to wrap up our werewolf by night discussion. So I want to say thank you to both of you for joining uh, JB. Uh, where can people keep up with you and the things that you're doing at uh, Jude.horo. <laughs> At gmail.com. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. uh, I'm on Instagram, jblovesav. Um, they'll probably be able to link from when this show is promoted on Instagram. You can go there. There's not a whole lot going on. I've, I got a couple of things in the pipeline, and just, I've said that every time I've done a podcast, but this time it's comics, and I can control it this time when I don't have to go to anyone for money. Uh, so these, th- these comic books will be out. Uh, we'll probably have at least one of them out. Uh, pitched to publishers the early next year, and we're hoping to be at Comic Con next year with a full book. Oh, cool! So, we'll yeah. definitely make sure to have you back on once that gets moving because that'd be really cool to be able to share. Uh, when that I would happens. love it. Yeah. yeah, I mean Trey has read scripts and, and been a, a sounding board and a great source of notes and and in addition to just you know, inspiration. Okay, so you can <laughs> totally have me cut this if you don't want. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I've seen art. Fantastic. Thank you. No, you can keep that. Okay. And let's hear more. No, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I told, I tell my artist every time I share anything and I've, it's, it's literally been you and two other people that have seen art, uh, you and Jude and two other people, because yeah. I know you guys, and I trust you guys. And, and it's, I, uh, you know, Trey, I've said this, I think I've said this every time, but Trey's the community that Trey built on Twitch and now in discord is such a wonderful group of people, such an incredibly talented group of people. Everybody is good at something. I have seen Leech's work and she is an incredible designer and model builder. And I don't, you do so many things. Leech, I don't even know. <laughs> Honestly, you don't fit into like one category. Um, and then our, our friend Bubbles had some amazing art. I mean, just like uh, I would, and this is a plug for the Discord as well. Like you should, <laughs> should definitely visit the Discord. But uh, this, the, the, this community is are so supportive and so inspiring to each other that I, I wouldn't trade being a part of this for anything. Oh, well, 
I know. I'm <laughs> leech fan can, fighting like fine tier. <laughs> there's like there's certain things you can always count on when I'm on the podcast. Tangents and getting corny. <laughs> I didn't say make Trey cry. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, it's all truth. And of course, I'll be able to link in the show notes to your Instagram and we'll we'll keep tabs on uh, on anything else you may be promoting. Cool. Leech, where uh, where can people keep up with you and the things that you do? Oh, I am on Twitter, Exolicho, and also on Twitch with the same handle. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just pecking away at this gauntlet. I'm staring at it right now, and it's staring right back at me. And I know I wanted to finish you by Halloween, and we'll see. But uh, yeah, we're just making it through almost a year back at streaming, which is pretty wild. But it's been great. It's been great to set aside time and do fun things, because I don't have much time for that lately. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, you can find all that information on those two places, which I'm sure, again, will be linked in the show notes below. You know, you can cut this if you want, Trey, but um, Leech, I ended up, I I got raided into your stream overnight at some point. And I don't like, I, I fell asleep with Twitch on and, you know, I got raided from place to place as I was asleep. <laughs> and I woke up in the morning and I was like, this is Leech's stream. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Leech and I didn't go to sleep on this stream. And it was very confusing for a minute, but it, it's actually, it's your streams are really like soothing. Yeah. It's so chill. And the, the, your, your 3d printer going and stuff is, is like, I could have probably slept yeah, <laughs> to it because it was just so calm. It's so weird. Cause it goes against like everything that like content creation is, it's like supposed to be super interactive and engaging. And I'm like, nah, we just chill music and you don't have to say anything if you don't want to, like you can just come hang out and watch cool stuff get made. That, that's, that's a it. great vibe. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's part of my like Sunday routine of like, <laughs> Oh, Leech is streaming. I put it on like while I'm doing other work, sometimes editing photos and don't tell you this sometimes editing the podcast. So like, <gasps> <laughs> so like, I know you shouldn't listen to other things while you're editing a podcast, but I do it sometimes. I just have it a little bit lower than the podcast. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just like light chill hop mm-hmm. kind of music. Yeah, it works. It works. So yeah, well, uh, we'll make sure to link to that as well. Now, if you like this show, uh, at MC Need to Know, both on Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us there. But really, the best place to keep in contact with us is the Discord. We've been putting a heavy emphasis on building that community there. Uh, Like I said, by the time you hear this, it will be over. But we are going to be watching Werewolf by Night uh, this coming Sunday to celebrate Halloween. That will be a trend that continues with all of these holiday specials that are coming out. So I don't have a concrete date yet, but if you want to join us for the Guardians holiday special, uh, I'm even thinking of trying to do some of the making of. We'll uh, we'll get mm. to watch them together in the Discord. So join oh, cool. whenever there's an event, top left corner uh, events tab, there will be localized time reminders whenever it is applicable. Awesome. And of course, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. If you're enjoying this show, make sure to give a five-star rating or leave us a comment so we can know how to improve. And finally, we'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Leech and JP, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. We'll see you all next week. was good on that front the only thing i have is i need to watch uh the holiday special trailer (laughs) 
You could. Did you so, want to do that? I could. Yeah, if I could just do it right now. We okay. can do that now. Yeah. <laughs> I have it up. I'm like, I just need a minute and 15 seconds of your time. So you haven't seen it at all yet. This is Leech's no, live I, reaction. Yeah, I wanted to watch it on the TV, and I kept telling myself like, "Oh, watch it." And then I saw like top of the notes was like, "We're gonna discuss it." I'm like, well, "I'm gonna watch it now." So yeah, <laughs> I just live rewatched react. it for the second time. And I actually just watched Werewolf this afternoon, so I'm fresh. Oh, cool. I rewatched it this afternoon as well, so Perfect. we should be on top of stuff. Live reacts here. There's a specific moment, and Trey knows what it is. I'm just going to watch to see what your face does in that specific I'm assuming like a Futurama Christmas special. I'm really curious. No killer Santa Clauses in this one. <laughs> It's so big. There it is. <laughs> it's funny just hearing the audio. Oh, good. So big. <laughs> oh, that's going to be cute. That gave me like, um, what's that Schwarzenegger one with the toy he has to find? Jingle, Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way and like fu- mixed with like Futurama vibes of like people that don't know and they're just trying to help a guy out and like they misses his traditions and stuff. So neat. I love it. That's not what I expected. I was expecting a Star Wars Christmas special. You know, me too. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get some references to it. I don't know I what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting that. And it makes me so happy that I finally watched A Nightmare Before Christmas last year. So that like I pick up on those vibes now. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Jamie, I, didn't I saw your eyes get it. so big when I admitted that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was just like, oh, God, I want to have that discussion now. But <laughs> let's avoid that tangent, probably. It's be uh, no, I didn't know what to expect either, and and because just just like you, Leech, the only thing Christmas special, holiday special comes to mind is Star Wars, and that obviously has negative <laughs> connotations, right? You know, I was like, God, are we going to get like puppet Groot? Are we going to see Groot's family? You know, Bebo and Babo, or you know, whatever. Um, but I couldn't conceive of what this could possibly be. Or like and, holiday uh, specials. Okay, hold you on. See they, oh, I'm sorry. This okay. is the episode. I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt so bad. I was like, oh, I don't want to go too far. Uh, we could talk about that in the uh, beginning. Uh, does anybody yep. have any questions with the uh, with the outline?